Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. Hey there, church leader. Welcome to Rescuing Churches, the official podcast for 614 Ministries. Let me introduce myself in case it's your first time listening to the show. Josh, and I am your friendly neighborhood communications director. (laughs) That's right. I am joined by my one and only co-host, who also happens to be my dad. One and only. He's not, yeah, he's not just my co-host. He's also my dad. One and only. My ministry partner in crime. Only dad you have. It's a lot of a lot of weird things. And yep. his name is Stan. That's right. Our favorite producer, our one and only producer, silent partner Mike Coward is here, man in the knobs at Mission Control, making sure everything over there on that really complicated board stays in some sort of Got pretty new lights. Geosynchronous orbit. Yep. It's over there doing all of its cool things. The last thing we want is something blowing to smithereens over there. <laughs> we are very glad for his expertise every week. Before we dive into today's topic of healthy church aspects, just let me remind all of you to please like, follow, or subscribe so that you don't miss a future episode of Rescuing Churches. No matter what podcast platform you happen to be listening on, please set your notifications. It'll keep you posted anytime that we release a new one. We're here every week exploring the great adventures of pastoral life, church life, ministry life, revitalization. Trying to help. Church comms, all that good stuff. So to bring hope and help and structure and ideas to churches that just need to move another step forward in their health and their well-being. Everything he said. Today, we want to examine these three fundamentals of a healthy church. Just three? Wow. Is that all there is? Well, let's not get real complicated. Like, like I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this going, like, this is all you need and everything will be okay. What, What does Coach Boone say about his six plays and remember the Titans? Oh, he's going to quote, give remember it, the Titans. Just give it a little time. Give it a little time. So as long as I we get these three things right, guys, I'm talking to all the pastors out there. I mean, and I'm not, I'm just, I'm just that church comms guy. Everything else will be taken care of, right? So, Broad know, brush, but yeah, you're, this, this is really the call of the church. All this time I thought being a pastor was hard, and all you really got to do is remember three things. <laughs> you have to remember them, you have to get them working. Got to get them working. Okay. Whole another plan. Okay. So let's jump in. Let's just dive right into it. Um, mm-hmm. First first one, number one. It's a way to evaluate your church for how, how you're doing health-wise. If you just yeah. want to st- step back and have a big picture for a minute, you're going to see how you're doing health-wise when you hear these three. They're, they're very common sense, but important to think through. Yeah, fundamentals of a healthy church, number one, is people that are striving for holiness— and this, in essence, is people that are surrendered to the cross. And this idea of being cross-centered kind of draws to mind the very passage that our ministry is actually named after, Galatians 6.14, where Paul 
says, far be it from me that I would boast in anything except for the cross. Right. So what are some practical ways that you can encourage pastors for, and that pastors can encourage their church for this to happen from within the church? Yeah, so what you're, what you're doing is by looking at your flock, the men and women you're caring for, you're, you're trying to determine when you talk to them weekly, when you listen to their struggles, um, when you hear them discuss how their week's been and what they've done, are they people actually striving for holiness? Are they, are they in the Word? Are they struggling to sound out the gospel in their own life? Um, are they sincere in their focus and their obedience? If you're if you're at a small church as a pastor, you can just walk around the sanctuary and overhear the conversations before church and in the parking lot after church, and know everybody's all about the football game. Sure. Everybody's all about the race, the NASCAR race. Everybody's all about the politics. Nobody right? even paid attention to the sermon this morning. <laughs> yeah, well, not even the sermon, but but spiritual things. If, if, if you overhear people talking about, you know, I just need some prayer because, or yeah. I'm really going through a hard time, I'm so glad to see you. Mm-hmm. you know, and you know they're engaging in that deeper life conversation that says, I'm trying to walk this out, but I'm, I'm needing some support, accountability, whatever that is. Right. As pastors, you, you got to pay attention to the dialogues that are happening. You got to pay attention to the to the conversations, and you got to know your flock a little bit. And again, when you you know when you first meet the guys uh, on Sunday morning when they come through the door, you know they're going to talk about the football game for a couple of minutes, probably if it was a big game, especially if you're an Alabama fan. So we just can't help it. Just saying, yeah, just saying. But. <clears throat> That's not all there is to life, and if that's all your church has in it is people that are worried about the football game or the, you know, the the next you know final four of the basketball season or whatever it is, or they're worried about the stock market or whatever's running through their deal. If that's all the day involves for them, and church is a little tick on their clock, they're really not people striving for holiness, people surrendered to the cross, people seeking to be stronger in their faith they're just people showing up to church and right. now you got to begin to address that so um but I, th- I think it's important that you, you get to know your people and you listen to some of that um you know i'm so encouraged at our church more recently people come and ask and they ask you hard bible questions you know how do i and and their their questions are how do i apply this what what, what does this mean i'm supposed to do right like wow now there's a you know, this isn't like, what does this mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they figured out it means something that I need to do. I just don't know how to do it yet. Yeah, and it's not, it's not just something I heard in a nice little sermon or a nice right. little story on Sunday morning. I've realized now this is actually something I'm supposed to apply to my life. Yeah, and what's happening is these, these men and women are getting in small groups. They're having dialogues. They're going home and reading their scriptures and they're going, I need to, I need to change something, but I'm not exactly sure what that means yeah. In relationship to a former marriage, in relationship to my current children, in relationship to my boss, that kind of deal. And it's sure. it's, it's an evidence that there's some health there. That makes sense. What, what would be some like biblical examples of that you could just throw out for us? You're talking about in New Testament churches? Well, you, you think through how Paul was you know, constantly telling the, 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 the churches that weren't following after Scriptures, he's correcting them with scripture, right? Corinth, oh, yeah. Corinth would be off the charts, right? Sixteen chapters of correction after one chat, one verse, of, one or two verses of compliments in the first chapter. Mm-hmm. 
The rest of it is correction. Um, but then when he talks to the, the Thessalonian church, he, he says things like, I see your labor of love. Um, I, I see your your uh, faith and your hope. He is actually saying, I see the evidence right. of these things in your walk when I'm associated with your church. He compliments the, the church at Philippi, very similar. So um, it, pastors can know, and sometimes we want to turn a blind eye to that because um, it kind of falls back on us to solve it. But we really do need to be paying attention to whether our people are actually seriously striving for holiness. Do they, want to, do they want their lives to be more like Christ, or did they just get satisfied somewhere that this is all they need to be and they don't need to get any better? That's, there's never a holiness moment till we get to heaven, so we're always striving. Right. Well, I wrote it the way I wrote it. We're, we're always striving for holiness. And I, I just believe it's important that pastors get focused on that. Right. Well, and for the people in the church themselves, obviously, to get focused on it. So right. How does this, some of this, like, some of this even ties into, like, the Nehemiah stuff that you're working through in in your own sermon series here at yeah. Northside, where, where you're teaching? Yeah, Nehemiah is the very last book of the Old Testament. In the very last chapter of the last book, uh, Nehemiah comes back from being away, only to feel, realize that they've let a lot of important things slide spiritually, especially in the priesthood. And so he just, you know, goes in there and lambasts them and corrects it all. It's a righting the wrongs, as we called it Sunday. Right. We worked through that a few weeks ago. But la- the last message of the Old Testament is that we need to live pure lives and we need to purify ourselves. Well, the word pure is is the word for holiness. And we need to get the impurities out of our lives. And, you know, you, you can take the message, the last chapter of the, the chronologically last chapter of the Old Testament, which is all about purity, and just literally lay it into the messages of Christ when he showed up. Oh, yeah. You know, Christ was all about be perfect, yep. holy, <laughs> even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Don't practice your righteousness before men, mm-hmm. but actually have a real righteousness. Don't store up for your treasures here on earth. Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom. All of that is him, Jesus saying your purity matters, your your pursuit of striving for the right thing in the right way, righteousness matters. This is how you're supposed to live. Yeah. And then, of course, Paul just layers that all back in. All the New Testament epistles do. Um, they just layered in. You know, Peter Peter says, t- commands us to be holy as as God is holy. We're supposed to be holy even as Christ is holy, 1 Peter 1.15. You know, Paul tells Timothy, flee youthful lust, run as if your life depends on it. Tells the Colossians to put off all these old practices. Ephesians is about putting on the armor so you're not yielding to the works of the flesh. Really, every verse you read in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, that's a command toward us living out our faith is, I think, covered by what Nehemiah was telling the priesthood in the Old Testament purify yourselves. From everything foreign, you should live to the holiness of God and get foreign matter out of your life. This is the standard, basically. Yeah, for, exactly. This foreign, is the standard. Foreign thinking, foreign behavior, foreign attitudes, foreign languages. Yep. All of that's got to get out of your you life. We're wondering what the standard was for a believer. Yeah. It's, it's for laid the church. out. It's laid out. It is. Yeah. The, next to the last verse of Nehemiah lays it out for you. Then of course you've got Ephesians five, you know, which which is one of my favorites. You know, mm-hmm. putting on the full armor of God. You know, being able to resist the attacks of Satan and be able to get able to deal with spiritual warfare. 
And why would I do that? Because I'm striving for holiness. holiness exactly. Yeah, I'm striving toward holiness now. So I'm going to actually, like a soldier, I'm going to learn to wear the armor. I'm going to learn to fight the battles, resist the enemy. Right. You know, James 4, resist him and he'll flee from you. What am I doing? Well, I'm striving for holiness. Right. It's all about that striving. And as a pastor, you're, you're needed to identify in your flock the men that are and the women that are and the ones that aren't. And you got to, you know, get the ones that are discipling the ones that aren't. Hey, we need to get everybody moving in this direction. We're all going in this direction. Exactly right. right. Good. Second fundamental of healthy church life, uh, aspects of a healthy church, is people becoming far less selfish and becoming more concerned for others. And I think this is such a huge point, and I'm, I'm really glad that you're addressing this because we're seeing this as a culture, I think, right now. Our culture itself has a for a really long time and it's just becoming more increasingly evident now becomes so consumed by consumed with and driven by selfishness. And I was even having a conversation about this with somebody very close to me the other day about the dangers of selfishness. When mm-hmm. you become a very selfish or inwardly focused person, what that can actually do to you. Absolutely. And uh and then what what other people around you see about you and how dangerous that can be. A lot of this current generation is just going that way. Yeah. You get, you get a bunch of people say it must be the end times. Cause it says, yeah. yeah. Paul, Paul tells, you know, Timothy in the people end times, people, that yeah, men, <laughs> men will be lovers of themselves. Right. Right. You know, and clearly we live in a culture where it's all about me, all about, it's all me. about whatever I can make my right. life. My life's way more important than yours, and I got to step on you to get what I want. That's fine. And my stuff's more important. Yeah, my my attitudes are more important than yours, and my my opinions are more important than yours. Mm-hmm. Whatever arena you're in, you know, unless you're a Christian, your opinions. Yeah, and even and even this have to be valued by everybody. And even this thought and feeling driven society and culture that we're in now rings out of selfishness because mm-hmm. it's my thoughts, it's my feelings determine who or what I think or feel or choose to be or how my life will go or what reality is and all of that kind of thing. It's all a selfishness thing. Exactly. But as the church, as the local church, I think that we have to love others more than ourselves. So what does that actually, let me get you, what does that actually look like for, for the church itself in the real world, just practically speaking? It's very simple. I care about my neighbors down the street. Yep. I care about my neighbor that lives right next door to me. Yep. I care about the guy that's cars broke down in the parking lot where I'm pumping gas to get my car, you know, filled up with ex- very expensive gas. They, <laughs> I care about, I care about my neighbor. I care about people, and it means I have a longing to help people find the same Jesus, the same one that loved me and healed me and helped me and redeemed me. I want other people to know him, and so people now matter more than me. Yep. More this than is, this I, isn't I, rocket science; it's no, not complicated. No. And I will take on one of my least favorite things in the world: is to feel rejected. You know, as a pastor, that's a tough, tough road to hoe for me. But but I will take on the the opportunity to minister to somebody, or share the gospel with them, or offer them love, ex- believing that most of the time strangers are going to reject that. Sure. And I'm willing to be rejected because I'm presenting something so important to them that I want them to hear it, that I that I care enough about them. So I want to help the poor people in my neighborhood or community get fed. I want to help widows and single moms that live in the shadow of my steeple. Hmm. 
I don't want there to be widows that don't have somebody taking care of their yard, you know? That, oh, absolutely. That, that don't have somebody that will drive them to the store because they're scared to go to the store. Yep. Uh, we just don't want to have that in our community. I think about the, the ladies you and I have helped do yards and grass for and, and all of that. And, um, and and you're right. You talk about poor people that need to be fed. I, I think about, you know, the, like uh, just the nonprofits and even, you know, you know, my younger brother, Caleb, you know, your other son, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. working for a nonprofit that helps to feed people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something that is so evident and needed in our culture. And yet how many people out there, you know, in the world aren't even thinking about that mm-hmm. you know, because they're so driven by, what they're trying to do, just you know, chomping at the bit to get ahead in life, and it's like it's me, 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 me. It's all it's all in, inwardly focused. Um, so. Well, and how many how many children are in your neighborhoods right around the neighborhood that your church is literally God given zip code? Yep. The the churches that are, are I mean the the houses that are right around your neighborhood. How many children are in those homes that don't have stable father figure? Your church has hopefully got three or four men in it that can become that for them. If those kids regularly attend church, they're going to have men they look up to that are leading very different lives than anything they're going to see in the culture, right? So they can actually gain, gain some perspective there. Uh, how many how many kids are, are going to not have good schooling opportunities, not have the resources they need right under the steeple of your church if you're not paying attention to your neighbors, so I say a healthy mark of a church, people have to be pursuing holiness. People have to be serious about loving their neighbors. Yeah, and we've we've said it before, but we'll say it again, um, that your church and your your church's location is no accident. Where, no. where your church is located is not an accident. You are where you're supposed to be. And so exactly. the community that's around you and the people that are around you are there for a reason for you to minister to. Absolutely. So how does the church move toward unselfishness well i think you gotta you have to it, it wouldn't hurt to get some testimonies from people in your church or in your neighborhood even if they don't go to your church there's no. a if there's a social worker in your wow. neighborhood that's if you know who works for dhr um and they're a christian the uh, department of you know human resources in your neighbor in your town the people that check on families and that kind of stuff and you've got a christian connection with any ministry or minister um that's Working with homeless or working with uh, down and outs or working at rehabs or whatever, you bring them in to te- to give a short testimony of what reality is. Because some churches they get in their own little bubble, and the reality is we're all good. We don't care yep. about all that because that really doesn't affect us. When really, right next door to you is the deal. It's exactly you, who you we think about that. To. Think about that young boy that just recently went into that elementary school and shot a bunch of kids. Children. Oh, yeah. Shot children. And oh, killed yeah. them. You think about that. He he lived near a church somewhere, guaranteed. Oh, yeah. He lived near a church. He's in Texas. He lived near a church somewhere. That's right. Right? So if I'm that pastor in that neighborhood, and my heart is really heavy, like, how did we miss that? Exactly. How did we not have some? And maybe there's some pastor that really did have a run at that, and that kid just, you know— not stable or whatever the issue is. I'm not blaming the church, of course. Sure, sure. But I'm saying there is a responsibility to the local church to say all of that that we can turn around. Yep. You know, every kid in the neighborhood that we can find a way to love on. Anything we can do. We could turn that around to not be that tragic. That's right. And we, we ought to take that kind of stuff serious. So you get testimonies. Um, you expose 
the community needs to your church. If you have to yourself, just right. as a pastor, make some house visits to some dilapidated houses in your community or some rundown places or a widow. Find out what the need is, and then you just, you know, either a church meeting or even in a small setting, um, you can just figure out how to do all that, right? Um, so it's 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 a way for us as church ministers to help get our people seeing that by bringing that to them if they have to, right? Okay. Um, and then, and then the, one of the simplest things you can do is just start seriously praying for that community, for those neighbors, for those houses. And I believe you should physically go there to do that. Like Sunday afternoon, we're gonna we're gonna meet before church. We're gonna meet in the neighborhood right down the street. Right. We're gonna walk one block, or we're gonna sit in cars if it's a thousand degrees like it is in Mobile. We're gonna sit in cars in air conditioner and pray for these three houses. That's right. And and we're gonna go back. And you. You know, prayer is very powerful. So if you get your people praying for neighbors. Prayer of a righteous man. Yeah, James 5. So if you get your people praying for that community, you know, they, they literally can see some change there. See exactly some right. Exactly right. That's good. Really, really good. I love it. It's really the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. That's all we've talked about so oh, far. That's all it boils down to. <laughs> great. Wow, Pastor Stan, you're so smart. <laughs> that's what I said. This was yeah. going to be really simple. It <laughs> yeah. sounds complex, but we're talking but sometimes I'm, I've been pastoring a long time, and sometimes you just get so doggone swamped with everything else that's happening, you know, and you're trying to figure out, yep. can, we, can we afford to get the roof fixed, and who's going to do this? And, oh, yeah, we got communion this week. i got to get somebody to pick that up. and. You know, what's going on with this? And, uh, oh, the bus has got a flat tire, you know. And, oh, you just got all this stuff. And you go, I've really checked on the fundamentals now. How are we doing with, you know, people hungering for holiness basic and pursuing fundamentals, it? Basic yeah. core values. And how are we doing with loving our neighbors? Basic principles. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Exactly. Neighbor your is neighbor. yourself. Yeah. That's exactly right. So. Third fundamental for a healthy church is that the leadership is focused on discipleship and on training others for ministry. So how do we do this practically? What does it look like as a, as a minister and a ministry team? You have to be serving alongside and training other people. So how do you, how do you kind of flesh that out? Yeah, I think that means at, a, at any church, but especially the smaller churches, as a pastor, you got to get out of the chair. You're not right. just studying. You're not just preaching. you got to get out of the chair in the pulpit. Now, now for some of those pastors— and I'm just going to take a little, I mean, I'm the pastor's kid and host of the podcast, so I'm just going to take a little, uh, I'm just going to take a jab here. Free shot. Take a little free shot to say, for some pastors, when they get out of the chair, there's that itch to to get in there and and train and disciple, but then they they end up doing some of the work themselves, which is not what you want to do, right? They, they, they end up putting it all on themselves, but they're trying to train and disciple, and then they just end up doing all the work. Right. Well, that's which is very dangerous. Right. Uh, very dangerous. And it's complicated. Um, you can't do the work for them. No. You're, you're trying got, to disciple. Yeah. When you when you get out of the chair, it's to take them with you to do something. Right. I've got, you know, senior camp, high school camp this week. Sure. And I'm, I've got a couple of guys I'm taking with me that, mm-hmm. that aren't kids. They're adults. They're going with us so that they can see how we do camp. And what their role might could be, you know, if they wanted to step into the camp ministry with us. We're, we're wanting to disciple them in the camp ministry. Um, so anytime, I'm, you know, go on hospital visit, you take somebody with you. You're going, you're going to a small group setting where you're going to meet on a campus at the rehab campus and teach a little Bible study. Take somebody with you. Let them see how you do that. Let them see how you lead in prayer. Let them, let them learn a bunch of that stuff. 
and literally you're you're just bringing people along with you um to to help you so that they get trained and you don't do all the work yourself but you have to do a lot of the work to teach people how to do the work right so your work is the teaching correct <laughs> correct and and that's what Jesus did he took guys with him that's what he did yeah that's pure discipleship so somebody with you yeah, so we've, we've got to learn to monitor our flock in that, and then we've got to learn ourselves to be good disciplers of men, you know, to find ways to disciple men uh, and women of the church, but particularly men, to disciple them to be proactive in their relationship with God, pursue holiness and righteousness, strive for holiness, love their neighbors, and then minister into the church with us, become ministers with us in the church ultimately in the end equips the saints exactly what you're trying to accomplish yeah so uh shout out to anybody that's seen the new movie that came out top gun top gun maverick yeah so we've got some f-15s flying behind us uh, they're, if they're they show not, up i don't know if they show up on this sound they're not the new microphones or not but you got some riding lawnmowers yeah but man it's a really bad they, mower they might think that by. they're f-16s <laughs> yeah they they're pretty strong. So, um, but yeah, we, we're grateful for that. And Josh, if I remember correctly, this podcast will launch on 6 14, 6 slash 14 slash 2022. Yeah, June the 14th, 6 14 Ministries will so launch if, this episode. If you hit play on this episode and like your device blows up or something, I don't know if there's going to be <laughs> yeah, some weird glitch right. in the matrix when this yeah, actually. That's right. When this when this thing actually airs, I have no idea. Six fourteen will air on six fourteen. Six fourteen podcast airing on. It's just going to be really weird. So. But we really do want to help churches and having a ball doing the ones we we're ministering to. We're having a great time with seeing God do some miracle stuff, and we're going to have a couple of those pastors on real soon to give us give you some reports on how they're doing. Um, but we also want you guys to uh, give us some feedback. We'd love for you to share our podcast with as many as you can, um, get some other pastors and really your lay leaders. We think your lay leaders in your church ought to be listening to some of this because it'll help them understand you and your challenges and the church and its challenges. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. Hope you found all the content and dialogue helpful and inspiring as always. I'm Josh, that's Stan, silent partner Mike. We'll catch you guys next time. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614 Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast. Thanks for listening.